How you doing, everybody? This is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the Data Lab on For Frequency Sake. This is where all the data gets crunched to hopefully make you a smarter fantasy football player using the scientific method, of course, because you got a biologist and a meteorologist together, and you know we're going to use that scientific method to make smarter fantasy football decisions. And joining me is Dutch each and every week. He is the professor. It's John Bush. John, we have a turkey coma to get over with in the middle of week 12. Uh, yeah, we're trying to survive down here. Uh, had too much turkey, probably not enough fried alligator, but, you know, you got to balance that out to, you know, have a, a turkey coma life. You know, if you stuff yourself some that black and alligator, that's kind of a antidote to the too much turkey there. So down here, <laughs> you know, eating the alligator kind of perks you up a little bit. It makes you fierce, and, and, and I'm going to need some fierceness because uh, I think you and I were talking before, this feels like week 12 and a half. It's, it's like I had this group of decisions, and that's done, good, bad, whatever. And now I've got this other group. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Harry Potter, you have to go to, you know, the, get on the train at 16 and a half. They <laughs> go through the wall, and I just things are not quite right here and uh i've got to kind of uh gear up say this is saturday morning uh we're a little tardy on getting ourselves going and and i feel like my decision making is a little tardy as well so and then next week with all the bimageddon part two uh it just uh, it's every, everything's kind of muddled right now and uh, I, I need to snap back and, and, you know, spit out some of that pumpkin pie and get to work. <laughs> uh, I'm having a little bit of slow time doing that there, Dennis. So we need to focus on what we need to focus and, and let's, you know, get this week done. And, you know, next week is just going to be, it's going to be a slog till we get to like week 14. I think there's a couple of teams on by. But then the playoffs for what? Week 15, 16, 17. And so we're getting awful damn close to the end of this show this season. It is incredible. But for just those folks that say, oh my gosh, we're almost done with the professor and D Mike, no, folks. We, oh, will, no, no. we will continue to cover different topics. And in fact, matter of fact, we'll probably get into some pretty good lesson planning over the off season as well. Well, professor, this is the time of the year where everybody's talking about who's the best candidate for MVP. And the same thing is going on in the fantasy football world, because if you have been doing your diary and you followed your draft and you kind of understand by week 12 and a half, the mistakes that you made and hopefully you correct them next year, but when I developed my MVP index, that's why I called it what I did. Because in fantasy football, you chase what matters most. And what matters most is how how consistent is a player? Does he 
Does he keep your team in the game each and every week in fantasy football? That's very important. Need a way of measuring that. But the other two things that are almost just as important are a big game ability for a player. Did they have one of those weeks where the rest of your roster can be really average, but this guy shines so big with such a big point gain versus your opponent's player at that same position that he's going to be a a weak winner for you. And then, of course, there's the flip side of that. How often does a guy throw out those dog games where it doesn't matter what the rest of your roster does. He's like an anchor dragging your team down to defeat. So when it comes to the MVP in fantasy football this year, Professor, at quarterback, who's the first name that comes to mind? Uh, Right now, I think Allen. And Josh Allen is leading the way in my MVP index. But what sort of stood out to me so far at the quarterback position is some guys that we expect to be really, really strong have had sort of average years. And guys that are perceived as having some great years are not really living up to it when you look at what matters most. And the two names that come to mind the most, guys that were drafted very early in fantasy football, even in one quarterback leagues, Patrick Mahomes right now is QB6, tied for QB6 with Tua when it comes to my MVP index at just a 50. That's compared to Josh Allen leading the way at 91 and Justin Herbert at 90. And then even lower on the totem pole, how about Lamar Jackson? We hear so much talk about MVP in the National Football League from him, not the MVP in fantasy football. He's at a QB 14 right now on what he's really meant to your football team or your fantasy football team. That's a huge, huge drop from where he was being drafted. Yeah, I'm sitting there and I probably should... Here this, Mr. Dennis. So hold on, make sure I don't blow up here. This is the figure that the editor and I worked on for your article that that uh, has the MVP data. Uh, yeah, there it is. So it's very colorful. Editor loves color. And so it has the player, the position team, the weekly value, the consistency, MVP over the two years, and MVP 23 this year, and the overall value. So these metrics are lined out for you guys. Every week, uh, Dennis sends it in, and uh, the editor and I work, and, and we put it all together in a colorful way. And uh, what Dennis just mentioned was the MVP 23. So he's focusing in on a very narrow. uh, And again, in fantasy, there's the narrow slice, right? And then there's the whole thing, right? So it's the whole pie or just your slice of the pie. And really, I think the balance of understanding both you're saying why do we care about pie because if the pie is a giant pie then that means the slicers are going to be bigger and probably tastier so it's important 
you know, if you've got a sideboard full of desserts at Thanksgiving, Dennis, you don't go over to the little petty fours. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm looking at the landscape here, and I see this giant pumpkin pie smothered in the whipped cream. You know, just, I would even got a piece, and I know what's there, right, versus these little, I don't even know, dog treats or whatever, something, you know. <laughs> You know, some of your relatives a little cheap. You know, times are a little tough. You know, they'll bring in this stuff. It's like they and you know, they know you're not gonna eat it. So they're gonna take all their stuff back because you're not gonna eat it and they're gonna get part of your stuff to take home. And yeah, you know, Uncle Uncle Joe, he wants a, a plate full, so all of a sudden you know, their pockets are full of soup and gravy. You know, they got those wax uh, uh, pockets, you know. I mean, they stuff in the legs under their arms. And they're, you know, your relatives, you see, once you're waddling out the door, half your feet. And so they come up with this little petty for crap, you know, these little fancy feast things. It's like nobody wants that. I want the big honking pie with slathered with the uh, cream, uh, the whipped cream. So landscape is important, and then you get the pie, the slice. And so Dennis is telling us about the slice. You like that analogy, didn't you, Dennis? <laughs> yes, I did. He's laughing because you know the relatives I'm talking about come waddling in and, you know, oh, I brought those old, you know, those old, dollar store brown and serve rolls that's their contribution you got the ham and the turkey and they're carving half of it all oh, it, it, it got pretty pretty tough uh at the in-laws this year because there was only one pumpkin pie oh well dennis that's sword fighting man yeah. used to being at least two and sometimes three pumpkin pies so there were some sharp elbows being thrown. There was, you know, we had to get the referee out. You had to go to. You had to call the fair catch for the pie. Had to go to the review booth a couple of times to to see. But, boy, I never saw the crowd get through the dessert line so fast as, as it did with only one pumpkin pie in play. Now, there was a blueberry. There was a strawberry rhubarb. And there was one of my personal favorites, a chocolate silk pie. Mm. And there was all kinds of other good stuff. But pumpkin Come pie on, being the tradition, you know, that, that went first. I'm telling you, you you know, there were there were people willing to lick the plate. That's how, how desperate it got. But uh but I enjoy I enjoy that analogy with the slice. That's uh that's very good. That's uh, So that's what you're telling. We're talking about that slice of pie here. And uh it gives us two ways to look at things, folks. And I I believe the analogy goes in fantasy. That's what in the off season, Dennis, you and I hit those big trends, right? One of the things I like to do is how does a team use position, right? Uh, are they like Baltimore, KC, a lot of tight yes. ends? Yes. It's important versus Carolina that chronically underuses poor Hayden Hurst. What the worst team he could have jumped on Oof. is Carolina almost. Yeah. And I like to know if I'm drafting tight ends, you know, I 
part of the eliteness is tight ends where they you you know teams use them, and so that's the kind of information that's important to get the big picture and then the slice. So that's kind of this big lesson here that Dennis and I deal with. And I think his MVP and his MVP 23 is going to bring us kind of that two tiered perspective that I think it's important that in fantasy, we have both of that. We have an appreciation for that, and you just cannot live and die by the weekly slice, Dennis. You're going to get burned, and somebody's going to steal that pie, and then, you know, it's just not going to do well. So you've got to keep both in perspective. So I really love the data, and I know we're still beta testing. I really love that you came up and pulled this MPP. MVP 23 slice out of the whole pie. And it's kind of like, what are you done for me now? What could you have done? Kind of the potential is the big pie, but then the slice tells the tale in some ways. And what I'm looking forward to in the offseason, Professor, is going back starting with the 2020 season Mm -hmm. and calculating this variable for each player. Yeah, and then we'll have a four-year running total, which can do a couple of things for you. One, you can spot the improving players real fast as you see their MVP index for the single year changing. But I also think, here's the hypothesis that I want to want to research. How consistent... Are some players more consistent and better bets because of that? And I think it will help us drafting our 2024 teams immeasurably. And and this is this is the scientific method in in place and in practice. I have a theory. I have a hypothesis. But in order to know whether this is a hypothesis that I want to bet money on. For 2024, I have to do the research in as much of an unbiased way as possible. And then I need to go back and do some testing. Now that I've got the 2021 and 22 data, does the data alone clue us in to a top five value at each of the positions that we should have known for the 2023 season. We have a lot of variables in play. We have a lot of ways of measuring success in fantasy football, whether it comes to my weekly values, the consistency scores, now the MVP index, now the MVP for a single year, like MVP 23. Your counts over median data is also been hugely successful in testing. So we've got all of these great dynamics together. One of my hypotheses for 2024's draft season is, does using multiple sources of data refine us down to a better hit list of players? And we can test that because we can go back in time and simulate what we would have done in 23. Yes, 
we have the bias of knowing what happened. But if you use the data in a systematic way, the data is unbiased. It doesn't know. The data from 2021 and 22 doesn't know what happened in the 23 season yet. You're just looking at the data, and that's how they develop weather models. It's using the past to try to predict a known variable and then repeating that process over and over and over again so you have enough of a data set. We're not saying it's going to be 100%. Nothing is. But what if, Professor, just simply understanding the dynamics of how the MVP index is changing with years, that can narrow down our hit list of players. And then when applying the ADP, we know who the best values are. I think there's a theory there that needs to be followed, needs to be tested. Then we'll do some more testing in the 24 draft season. But here's an interesting beta test that is already going on this year. So I played in the Scott Fish Bowl, and I did fairly well. But in the regular Scott Fish Bowl, I went ahead and I used my data, but then I kind of put other factors into play, trying to outsmart the scoring system, things like that. In another league that was a dynasty league based on the Scott Fish Bowl, I went solely with my weekly values and consistency data. I didn't let anything else other than ADP get in the way of determining those players. So using the data as guidance, but using sort of your own gut feelings, if you will, your own ideas on how the strategies might be different because of the scoring rules being different than a traditional league. I ended up 375th out of over 3,300 teams. So in the top 15%, which isn't bad. In the dynasty version of the Scott Fishbowl, now granted, people draft with a little bit different mentality when it's dynasty versus regular. And I don't. I, unless a player is over 30 years old already at running back or wide receiver, I'm playing a lot for this year. So that helps me get some better veteran players than others will. But in that league that has about 1,200 participants I'm number six right now. So the moral of the story is the data alone guided me to that team and I'm doing better than data with gut feeling. So that was a test that I did and it's not a perfect test because there are some different variables involved in those two leagues. But because of those, and ironically, when I went back and calculated the MVP index, I saw some players that I would have passed on in the Scott Fishbowl League. And I already was sort of developing that tool 
between the two drafts. So I used that methodology more in that second draft and it worked better. So I think there is some value in this MVP data. I don't know if it's better than the weekly values, but I have a hunch it might be because I think it's telling us the three different variables that are most important in fantasy football. And ironically, when I combine weekly values with your comm data, we have had some incredible drafting success in all formats, whether it's redraft, best ball, dynasty. So I think the comm data is picking up on some similar traits as the MVP 23 is, or the MVP index is. And I think that's going to be the secret to the success, but the only way to find out is to do more testing. Well, I think it gives us a blueprint for 2024, and we can overlay ADP. Yes. If we were redrafting this year, and I'm just looking at your MVP 23, it's clear Herbert was the bargain. Yes. If you, if you look at his ADP uh, versus Allen versus, uh, you know, uh, who's next? Hurts. I mean, and my, uh, Patrick is a little far down, 50. Dak Prescott is is charting better than Mahomes right now. He's on fire. And uh, uh, Purdy actually is. So there was some bargains there if we could go back, right, if we have a time machine and redraft. I mean, you know, we all want to do that. So there is uh, – but with that said, Dennis, I mean, look at the MVP, the, the two-year window – it would have said draft Allen first, Hurt second, Mahomes third, Herbert fourth. Okay? So, if you look at your top four, your MB3-23, Allen, uh, Herbert, and Hurts are there as well. So, the top four MVP, uh, three of them are in the top for MVP 23. So there is that consistency. I did that study uh, on your data and suggested that your methodology is superior to uh, just kind of looking at uh, kind of last year's data and using that to track this. You know, that's what a lot of people do. Who was good last year? Well, the you know, and a lot of the early ADP is just lining up with what happened last year. And you were uh, a little bit ahead of that on quarterbacks for sure. And running backs, I found you were just as good on tight end and wide receiver. So people want to dig that article up where I compared all of it. It was very interesting. We had some podcasts on that. Uh, so th- there's definite evidence that the two-year window gives you a pretty good look-see, you know, and then use your ADP value and some other, you know, 
uh, information, other sources to make the fine tune. But I think uh, not bad. Your top four are still top three or four uh, so far in the season. So, uh, you know, if I looked back, I, you know, I think Herbert did, you know, Monday morning quarterback. But if I look at it, he he was a better bargain than I think. I was so focused on Hurts. I just felt like, uh, you know, and kind of blinded. But he was costing you more. And, in fact, it was Mahomes, Hurts, and then Allen. And I ended up getting a lot more Allen than I thought I was going to get because he was a little bit cheaper in the elite drafting concept that I was trying to use a lot of times. And, Professor, going back, and people can go back to some of our preseason podcasts because it's all there. It's all on record. Yep. One of the strategies that I suggested this year and that I was using a lot of in my redraft and best ball when there were one quarterback leagues Mm -hmm. is I was waiting until the first three quarterbacks were gone. Well, that would have been Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes. Correct. Because I knew that I had Herbert as my fourth best. And I also knew that I had Dak Prescott as about my sixth or seventh best. And the reason that's important is because based on ADP, those guys were not going until several rounds later than the Mm -hmm. other guys. And if you got two targets and you take that quarterback as the fourth guy, you know, you, you see three gone, you're taking a quarterback with your next pick. If you got those two targets and they're low enough in the respective ADPs, other guys like Lamar Jackson are going to be drafted ahead of them. Other guys like Tua are going to be drafted ahead of them. Even Fields was going ahead. Burrow Burrow. was going ahead. And so now you're in a situation where if you don't get Herbert, you got Dak Prescott. Look at the MVP index. I'm okay with either guy this year. I'm I'm fine. I'm going to war with Herbert is my most owned quarterback in single season. Using that theory that the that once three quarterbacks were gone, I was taking somebody. And and I violated that rule sometimes because if I felt that uh-oh, here comes a quarterback run. The first one's gone. And I'm up next, and I'm not going to get a quarterback the next time. Say I'm at the end of a turn, and that first quarterback goes off the off the line, and now I've got to go through the turn. I'm going to probably be the second or third guy taking a quarterback because I don't have faith that a quarterback will survive, that my fourth guy, Herbert or Prescott, will survive the run that is probably coming. So occasionally doing that, I got ended up with Hertz. Not a bad way to go either. So Herbert and Hertz ended up being two of my most owned guys. Allen I'm is my third. I got less Mahomes in single season using this theory this year that I didn't want to be worse than the fourth quarterback 
because I had faith that I was right about Herbert being the fourth best quarterback. And according to MVP 23, he's turned out to be the second best. So I'm getting the fourth best and getting second best ability. I am, I'm, I'm winning a lot of those leagues. So that's the theory that you got to use at quarterback, I believe, because you want an elite quarterback. You do not want to be stuck with the scraps because then you're going to be at a disadvantage. You're going to be at an advantage at your other positions, but you're going to be at a disadvantage at quarterback. I like to be in the running at every position. I don't like to have a weak position in fantasy football. And going in this year, I knew I had enough running back values that I liked later. I had enough wide receiver. I knew that Adam Thielen was going to be something because he was going to get the volume. And then, of course, I backed up that theory by taking Mingo late. So now I've got two chances to have the top target guy with Carolina, and I'm taking them both incredibly late in drafts. But I knew that one of them is either going to be Thielen, who I had more faith in, or it's going to be the rookie having a sensational season. Didn't know which way it was going to go. So what have I been preaching for the last two years, Professor? Draft them both. If you're not sure, draft them both. That goes true at running back as well as wide receiver. Uh, Good advice. Uh, This data is out every week. Uh, Again, we we haven't really hit the weekly value, the consistency, or just the overall value uh, that you put out. So there's a lot of other metrics. And I like the consistency because that kind of, I think that's more a warning consist, uh, metric than kind of a, a primary one. You know, I think there's kind of hierarchy of data. And to me, I like to use your consistency kind of warn me off or at least open my eyes. Like, look at Tua. He's a 33. He's a 50 MVP. He's in the you know, top six or seven, which is great. But having a low consistency warns me a little bit. So that probably tells me that, you know, and I probably early on, if I've drafted Tua, I probably got somebody else. And assuming on occasion, I'll have to stream somebody. So I think people talk about, you know, late quarterback streaming. Take your consistency, and I know we don't have time to track every tidbit, but I also wonder, does that give you kind of a a thumbs up to like, go ahead and draft this one. This may be a good one, but the consistency is telling you you might get a strong second play for streaming in case that consistency kind of leans up and bites you a little bit that you can stream. So I think the streaming concept, you know, let's not drop that, but I, th- I think that's how I'm looking at your consistency number right now is more of a warning saying, you know, you better draft. You know, if you got one quarterback, you probably need to draft two. And both of them may be inconsistent. 
So then you hope your daps and your other things that we use can steer you right more than wrong. So I did want to plug your consistency number in there as well, Dennis. Yeah, I look at consistency. That is a floor value. How often does that player keep you in the game and in the matchup? And I think that's very important. The weekly value gives you your upside. I think the MVP index is trying to combine them both in a way, but I agree with you. You still have a function for both the consistency and the weekly value data when it comes to making fantasy football decisions. And I love that strategy because if I did miss out on Herbert and Prescott in a few of these drafts, I waited. And I went with guys like C.J. Stroud. I went with guys like like Brock Purdy. I went with guys like Jared Goff. Yep. And I even have some teams where I have Goff and Stafford. So I play the matchup each and every week. Whoever's got the better matchup. We have a dynasty team where we have Goff and C.J. Stroud. And we played the defensive matchup this week in going with C.J. Stroud and taking the chance on the rookie because we did not like the defensive matchup data for Goff, even though he was at home. So there's lots of layers to this data, Professor. You're right about that. But I learn a lot by how you use my consistency and weekly values to combine with your comms data, your counts above median. And those statistical tools all working together, I think, can come up with building a better mousetrap for fantasy football. So head on over to the science of fantasyfootball.com and professors got all of the defense against position data, which shows the efficiency by team and shows how the snap counts are changing. All of that information is so vitally important when you are picking your starting lineup for fantasy football. Check out my MVP article. Check out the MVP 23 for a little bit more detail on what has happened this year. Head on over to the science of fantasyfootball.com. Check out our sister podcast twice a week as well. And then head on back here to For Frequency Sake next week for another edition of The Data Lab. Get to work, folks.